0: Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Asking for More. Asking for More. Uh, all of us that have been walking with the Lord have said, God, I need more of you. I need more of your presence. Say yes if I'm talking to you. Let me hear you. Yes. yes. Come on, let me hear you. If you've ever prayed that in your life, let me hear you. Say yes. yes. Yes, and for those of you that are still trying to figure out whether or not Christianity is real, in the in the bottom of your heart, you too have said that prayer. Lord, if you're real, let me see you. If you're real, let me notice you. We've prayed that prayer, especially when we've walked during the valley of the shadow of death. We're not on the mountaintop and everything's going great and tiptoeing through the tulips. No, 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 no. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. In those moments you say, "God, I need you. I want more." Let me tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 10 verse 17. It's fascinating because the Bible says this, I think it's 17 through 22, but in verse 17 it says, and then Jesus was settling up, getting ready to go on a journey. And this young man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus' response was so fascinating. He looked at him and he said, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he began to answer his question. He said this He goes, He said, You know the commandments. You know that the commandments say, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. Do not give false witness, do not defraud, and honor your father and your mother. And the young man said back, teacher, it's fascinating because at first he called him good teacher, now he's saying teacher, he's trying to, he's trying to catch up. Uh, clearly he has been following the commandments, but he doesn't have a relationship. And so he goes, teacher. I have been following these commandments since I was a youth. And the Lord said back to him, and and I love how the scriptures word it. It says that Jesus looked at him. Now, he was already looking at him. He was talking to him. But the Bible says Jesus looked at him. And responded with love. So there was all of a sudden a a look in his eyes. His his countenance, his face. All of a sudden started expressing a, a deep love. And he says this. You lack one thing. Go and sell everything you own. And then you will have a great treasure in heaven and then he says something that he only said to 13 people 12 people well 13 if you include Paul but at that point he had only said it to 12 people and Jesus looked at him and he said come and follow me now James and John and Peter they had a fishing business um, surely it was profitable. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. Many of you have been to the Sea of Galilee. It, it's massive. and You can look into the sea and see fish going around. They no doubt had a profitable business. And when Jesus said, come and follow me, they gave it up right then and right then. All of a sudden, he gives the same invitation. He says, come and follow me. There could have been 13. Disciples. He, he didn't give there were, there were there were there were multitudes following him. In the multitudes, there were 70 that was really close to him. But, but he said, Come follow me to him. And he said, Look, I want you to give up everything because what you're about to experience, no one else is going to experience except for these 12, and you can be one of the twelve. It, it's fascinating because. Sometimes Jesus will look at someone and say, give it all up. But he looked at Abraham and he said to him, keep everything you got and come follow me. There's a a big difference when you are a fan of God, but you're committed to something else. There's a big difference. Come on, help me out here. There's a big difference. Where your mind's attention and your heart's affection goes determines whether or not you are uh, interested in God but devoted to a competing affection. You can look at your time. You can look at your thoughts. You can look at your affections. You can look at what you're worried about. See, uh, someone who's pursuing God and they're passionate about God, they're, they they pay attention to their passion level. They're taking their pulse and they say, God, you feel far from me. Uh, you know, it's it, on Monday through Friday, I, I pray as long as I can pray. But on Saturdays, I've got kids chasing me. And i got kids, you know, it's, it's family day. Right in the middle of the day yesterday, I just felt, a little bit of distance, a little bit of distance. And I was like, I don't like what I'm feeling. So I told the family, I need 30 minutes. I'll be back. I go into my office. And I'm like, God, I don't like what I'm feeling right now. I get on my hands and I get on my knees. I said, I don't know if I'm being attacked and I can't see it. I don't know if there's someone I need to pray for, but we're going to fix this right now. We're going to fix it right now if you ever feel that distance you got to fix it right now you say how exactly do you fix it especially when you don't know what you're fighting the only thing you know is what you're feeling you get in there and you say god i don't know what to pray i don't know what to say so all i'm going to do for the next few minutes is i'm going to tell you how awesome you are i love you i thank you i worship you thank you for your mercy Thank you for your grace and here's the wonderful thing, when you are praising God you do not have to find God, God finds you. Somebody's worshiping me, somebody's praying, He says, isn't God right here, just give me some poetic liberty here. He says I inhabit the praises of my people, you're going to feel me. You're going to feel me You're going to feel me And sure enough I love you I thank you I thank you for your mercy I thank you for looking at me I thank you that your face Is turned towards me Don't you hate it When you're talking to someone And they're not even looking at you I thank you that your face Is turned towards me I thank you I thank you that I have your attention I thank you that you're Put thank you before every word In about 30, 40 f- seconds two, three, four minutes You will feel your room shift You'll feel it shift. And if you can't think of things to praise Him for, praise Him for the same thing over and over again. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. You'll think of something else. The Holy Spirit will help you. Can you help me? Now, I just got carried away with the introduction, but I have two major points. I have two major points. Number one, actually I have three major points, how I'm going to finish all that in just a few moments, it's going to be fascinating. Number one is asking for more, that's going to be my first point. My second point is sacrificing for more. And my third point is what life looks like when you walk away from more. We'll get to that in just a minute, but let's talk about asking for more. It, the, the young man knew, he knew there was a compelling, there, there was an emptiness, there's a, a sense of, for those of you that, that have ever felt this, there's like a, 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 a sense of hollowness or a lack of meaning. Uh, a lack of purpose. You, what am I doing here? Why am I here? This is uh, this is so routine. My my 8-year-old had an epiphany. She said, "Daddy, we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we do it all over again. Monday, Tuesday, and that just keeps going on forever." And I was like, "Yeah. <laughs> I I would really like to like like say, no, 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 you got that wrong. But that's exactly, it's just over and over and over again. And if you do not have this, this intimacy with God, you will go down that spiral. This is just over and over and over again. This is just, this. really, am I supposed to do this for 97 years? Like, this is insane. He was feeling a sense of hunger. Hunger is frustrating, isn't it? Does anyone, uh, help me say this word, hangry, hangry, is that it, am I saying it right, where, you, where you're tired and hungry at the same time? My, my wife uh, was was having our, our first child, my, our, our oldest is 17 years old, her name's Presley, and uh, she doesn't have a boyfriend, she's not gonna have a boyfriend for the next decade, everybody say amen to that, amen to that. But she was, she was, uh, she woke me up, my wife woke me up um, 17 years ago at four o'clock in the morning. And uh, she said, I'm about to have the baby. And I said, now? <laughs> I said, are you sure? And for those of you who are moms, you're like, get up, we're going. No more small talk. So we head to the hospital. We get to the hospital. We walk right through the doors. I'm going 100 miles an hour. It's 4.09 by the time I get there. I get there, i I notice that everyone's real calm. This is our first child. We have three. Everybody's real calm. Everybody's walking around. 5 o'clock gets here. Everyone's walking around real calm. 5.30, everybody's walking around real calm. She's eating ice chips. 6 o'clock, 6.15. I'm like, we've been here for a couple hours now. I thought we were having the baby right now. <laughs> So I asked the nurse, I was like, hey, you know, I'm not trying to push anything, no pun intended. <laughs> I, said, I said, when do you think that, you know, we're going to have this baby? She was like, oh, maybe two thirty, three o'clock. <laughs> and I want to look at Allie and be like, okay, you said you were going to have the baby right now. <laughs> and so I'm hungry now. It's breakfast time. And she's eating ice chips. And those nurses don't give the visitor anything. You want coffee? Go down to to Shoney's or the Kettle and go get some coffee. I don't think Shoney's or Kettle are around anymore. So I left and I went and got Burger King breakfast and I brought it back to the room. (laughs) You're ahead of me. I'm eating the breakfast sandwich. It's got bacon, it's got cheese, and Allie's eating ice chips like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell, as a man, you know when you're in trouble. They haven't, I'm in trouble. Uh, I will never ever do that again. I, I just starved for my second kid and my third kid, just starved. And some of you mothers are in this room are like, and, are we supposed to feel sorry for you? (laughs) After she had the first baby, I thought, I will get here before you and roll out the red carpet because this was intense. We do crazy things when we're hungry because it's so frustrating. And when you're hungry for God and you want more of God and you wish you could just turn it up like you turn the volume up in your car and it's like, what do I have to do to get more of you? I need food now. See, hunger always precedes filling. You will hunger for God before you pursue God. Hunger is a gift When people are no longer hungry for food, it's an indication that they're sick. When you stop hungering for God, there's some type of sickness that's tormenting your spirit. And you got to shake yourself and say, wake up, I need God. Help me out here. I need God. Number two, the sacrifice for more. And the, the catch is is that when you want more of God there's a sacrifice connected to receiving more Amen. there's always a sacrifice see the young man came to Jesus and he said, he said I want to know how to receive eternal life it wasn't eternal life that he was seeking because he was already following the commandments he wanted did more. And Jesus said, you are lacking one thing. Now he walked away exceedingly grieving. He was grieving exceedingly sad because the Bible says that he had much property. So they call him the rich young ruler. It's fascinating to me that Jesus looked at this rich young ruler who had it all and said you are lacking you are lacking have we been there before where you're just like I don't know what to complain about but I'm not happy and then you just pick somebody you're the problem that's the problem. It's the problem. And as soon as that problem gets fixed, it's like, I'm still, that, it, That's right. it's like, ugh, I can't put my finger on it. It's like the Lord saying, look, you, you got, you, you, yeah, you got problems. Most of them are duck nibbles. They're never going to hurt you. They're just bigger in your head. They're just very, very annoying. But hey. Some of the problems are significant. They're big. It's more than a duck nibble. It's big. It's like a a pit bull nibble. It's like, God, this is serious. He's saying you're, you're lacking something. What you want requires a preceding sacrifice. Give up everything and then follow me Abraham got to keep everything but he had to give up his whole family he had to go to a distant land and walk around not even knowing where he was going in order to receive what you are asking for most of the time it requires a sacrifice see God will give you what you need out of the kindness of his heart but what you are desperate for requires a sacrifice. It requires a sacrifice. Uh, I, I remember praying uh, back in that room right there. There's a little area where I go back and pray sometimes during the week. And I was asking God for, uh, to have a, a certain type of church. You know, when we first started the church, it was like we just want bigger, better, and stronger, bigger, better, bigger, better, bigger, better. But then, you, you know, you, you look at my beard. I got gray in it now. Like it's a different ball game. Now it's not bigger. Now it's not bigger. Now I, I, I just want to feel the crackling of a bonfire, right? I, I want to sense that the presence of God is, is moving somewhere. I, I, I want to sense it. I want to feel it. I want to see it. I want to see somebody's face light up because they experience the power of God. I want to see it. Otherwise, I don't want to come. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on. Are you with me? Say yes. If you want a Bible study, if I wanted a Bible study, we could get that online. But if we're going to wake up in the morning, shower and brush our teeth and come all the way out to church, we want to experience the presence of God. Are you with me? Say yes. I felt the Lord tell me just lightning fast, not out loud, just down here, just what you're asking for is going to require hours of prayer, hours, what you're asking for. Now you can get these other things, you can get these other things by praying this much, but what you're asking for is this much. But you, you, you can have all of these things just by loving me. You can have all of these things by giving me some time, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes a day. But what you're asking for, Frankie, that's going to require hours. That's a sacrifice. Sometimes the sacrifice will look different. I got a friend of mine who pastors in Louisiana, and, and he, he, him and his wife were on the call at the same time. I was talking with him, and the wife said, I was praying for this guy at the altar, and he went through a divorce a couple years ago. The wife left him for another man, and his hatred, his unforgiveness towards her over the past few years has only grown. And no doubt, he was deeply betrayed and deeply hurt. No doubt. And she looked at him and she said, it's time to forgive. If What you're asking for, what you're asking for from God requires you to forgive. And he said to her, if it requires forgiveness, I will take, this is his exact words, I will take this unforgiveness all the way to the pit of hell with myself. I will go to hell with this unforgiveness. And he walked away grieving. It requires sacrifice. The Lord will speak to you, and he will ask you for something, and it will not be something that you are willing to give. I can promise you that. He'll go right in and say, your best friend is not a friend of mine. Your hobby makes you happy, but it hurts my heart. Your time gives you enjoyment, but it leaves me out. I I, I want you to sacrifice those things. Pay attention. Commit to me. A sacrifice precedes the blessing. It precedes it. We, we cannot be, we cannot be, oh my goodness, let me rub my head. It, it, we cannot be those Christians that stand around with our arms folded and our hand out and looking at the Lord saying, win, 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 win. And he's looking at you saying, come on, man, even, even your wife, even, even your kids involve an interaction where it comes and goes, where there's a relationship. Don't look at me and say, I just want you to roll in like the waves of the ocean without wanting to give me any affection, any sacrifice, any time. Come on, am I talking to anybody? <laughs> Point number three, life Without more. It's grieving. It's a constant state of depression. It's a constant state of hollowness. It's a constant state of disappointment. Disappointed about everything. Nothing in particular, but everything. Just down. You'll have peak moments, like riding a roller coaster. Ah, my life is awesome. But most of the time it's. See, people who have, I'm willing to sacrifice it all. Those kind of people, even when they're on the down slope of a roller coaster, they're full of hope. They're anticipating something shifting any minute. There is anticipation there. I might be in the shadow of death, but the only reason why I'm in the shadow is because I'm walking underneath the light of God. I'm walking underneath God. That's why there's a shadow. There's a shadow because there's an angel above me. That's why there's a shadow. I'm walking through the valley of death, but I'm under a shadow. There's, ex- there's excitement. There- there's anticipation. You know winning is on in just moments away. It might be really be days away or weeks away or months away. But your spirit saying, just hold on. Just hold on. You go through troubles differently. But people who are not willing to make any sacrifice when they go through troubles, you can see it on their face. They live that way. You live that way. This is not an experience for you. This is your life. This is your life. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You look right in their face. You can tell. This is your life. You put makeup on it, but it's still. We can see it. Are you with me? Say yes. A few months ago, I was, uh, uh, I was praying for someone. And um, I'm going to show you this video in a moment. The testimony, anyway. I was praying for someone. Actually, last year, I was praying for someone. And they had esophageal issues they couldn't swallow. And he also had PTSD because he served in our military in Iraq. But when I prayed for him, his esophageal issues instantly cleared up, boom. He went home and ate barbecue, never had a problem again. Boom, cleared up, bang, awesome. He kept coming back about the PTSD, waking up in the middle of the night, panicking, full of sweat. can not shake it. Praying a thousand to other people over here, getting healed, 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 healed. I'm like, why not? Well, then I was praying for him right over there on that aisle, and I had this thought. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe there's a devil tormenting him. Maybe. And so I said, hey, look. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit and see where he leads us. I said, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind anything anywhere where a door may have been opened and he, the devil just slipped in like a flood, just kind of creeped in. And so I said, Holy Spirit, bring it to his mind. And I said, if anything comes to your mind, I just want you to say, I renounce it. Like, I renounce anger. I renounce unforgiveness. Just whatever comes to your mind. I renounce pornography. I renounce love. Whatever comes to your mind. And so I waited. He didn't say anything. A few minutes later, he started renouncing things. And all of a sudden, I could see. I could see. I hadn't even prayed. I could see visually. You would see. Anyone, you can see God was moving on him. He was being delivered. I was like, wow, God's doing something. That night. In the middle of the night, he wakes up. He goes to the... uh, Well, I'm not gonna tell you his testimony. Take a look at this.
1: I want to tell you about my healing. Um, It happened not too long ago. And my journey kind of began in 2018. I was called to the border on deployment with the Army National Guard. I was down there for nine months. And coming back, things got really, really bad. And I started having a lot of issues at work and that's when i was diagnosed with ptsd Um, and along with ptsd all the side effects suicide ideation um, you name it that's what happened and so um, that was some time ago it's been a huge huge struggle for myself in my life my marriage it just really impacted me in a major major way and so i finally got the courage to um, go ask for prayer from pastor frankie for healing of ptsd and so after he prayed for me, he led me through a prayer. And then he prayed for me, finished praying. I went home, and I didn't feel very good. I got really, really sick. My stomach was and knocked all the rest of that night. And I went to bed, and I woke up, and I vomited. But I went back to bed, and um, I woke up a second time, and I vomited. But this time when I vomited, it was pure black and it had no taste, no smell, no burning sensation, no nothing, but it was pure black. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I looked at it, and the first thought thought I had was, that is pure evil. And um, after that happened, I still didn't feel 100%. Um, That happened two more times, we actually threw up pure black. And still same thing, no taste, no smell. And I was actually, um, Tracy woke up the third time and her sister happened to be over so i was like i need you all to pray for me so we went to the living room and they prayed for me from um it had been 2 2 a.m until about 7 a.m just all night we prayed and prayed and prayed and i went to sleep um and i woke up in the morning about 7 a.m a little after seven and i puked one more time but this time it was pure white so after that that was it Um, Since then, I have had no suicide ideation whatsoever. I have no bad dreams at all. And I I feel like I've been delivered more than just those two things. And I'm so excited to hear from God what else those other things are that he delivered me from. Come on, let's stand up and give Jesus
0: a standing ovation. Come on, let's give it to him. Come on, let's give it to him. I've I've prayed for uh, over the last, I'm going to pick a number here, 12 weeks. I've prayed for a lot of people for deliverance. And it's fascinating because every single person is different. Some people just cry. Some people just cough a couple times. Some people just all of a sudden you just feel like a million pounds just came off your shoulders. a a rare occasion where someone throws up. See, you're made up of three what am I trying to say? Entities. Okay? You got your flesh. You can pinch that, hold that, touch that. You have your spirit. And those of you who are Christians, well, Even non-Christians, that spirit lives forever. It's either going to go to hell or it's going to go to heaven. That's the spirit part of you. But your soul part of you is your mind, your emotions, your will. Now, Satan cannot touch your spirit if you're a believer. Can't touch it. That's the part of you he cannot touch. But like cancer, and I'm not saying all cancer is the devil. I'm just using it as a parallel. He can touch your flesh. Like Job, in the book of Job, Satan touched his flesh and he had boils all over him. And then he could also touch his soul, his mind, and his emotions. He went into a deep depression. Because of the physical attack, his soul... Was tormented. His emotions. Sometimes Satan will just touch someone's flesh. Sometimes he'll touch their emotions. You know, it's your emotions when you can't break out of this funk, this worry, this stress. It's normal. To get angry, it's normal to get stressed, it's normal. But when it's sustained and it's reoccurring and it's just part of your life now, that's not normal. Sometimes when Jesus healed sick people, he rebuked the demon first. Sometimes he healed sick people and he didn't even mention a demon because presumably there was no demon there. He knew he could look and know. I I don't, maybe one day I will, but I don't have that, well, sometimes I've thought that I had that gift in moments, but for the most part, no. You may not even know either. Whether it's a spirit inflicting you or whether you're just in a funk it has nothing to do with the spirit. You know, those of you who are sick or deaf, cancer, you don't know. You don't know if it's a spirit inflicting you like a thorn, or if it's just you're a clay pot. It's what the Bible calls us or made of dirt, and there's cracks. You don't know. But for those of you in this room that said, I don't know what's going on, but I didn't come here to play church, and I want to walk out of here different. Whether it's your marriage, your heart, your anger, whatever it is, I want you to come out of your seat and get as close as you can. Don't stand in the aisle. Get as close as you can to the aisle. Come on. as close as you can. Come on, get close, 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 close. I've never met somebody that isn't tormented by something, but maybe I will this morning. I was talking to Sarah... She's our chief of staff. She runs our team. She said, why why do you think some people know that they're tormented, but they don't want to be free? They suspect they're tormented, but they don't really want to entertain it. The answer was really simple. They've become so comfortable with it they've gotten this far why explore something that they don't want to look at it's kind of like a bad marriage look it stinks it sucks it's just it is what it is this is my life I don't really want to pay attention to it the same is true when there's an afflicting spirit look this is just my life it is what it is you just get used to it is it a demon I don't know if it's a demon but it is what it is I'll just get used to it it is what it is if you're in this room and you're even remotely nervous and you're remotely uncomfortable there's a reason for that there's a reason for that and I just want you to remember I want you to remember these are some harsh words I want you to remember this moment right now that you are choosing to walk out that door the same way just remember this moment Tomorrow morning on Monday, remember this moment. Thursday, remember this moment. Remember this moment right here. Okay? Remember this moment right here. We look back at that rich young ruler and we're like, what were you thinking? It's easy to look at somebody else and go. But I want you to remember this moment right here. In this moment right here, there's many in the room, not all of you, I know that, many in the room that out of pride or you think you're gonna be embarrassed or you don't know how God's gonna deliver you and the unknown is too scary, I'm good. Just remember this moment, okay? And you may say to yourself, I'll just come back next week if I can't take it anymore. Every Sunday is different. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going for healing in my head. I'm going for healing. That's my passion. We go for healing eight out of ten times. Every once in a while, the Lord says, This is what I want to do today. You may be waiting quite some time, so just remember this moment right here for those of you who say I can get delivered at home. well, why haven 't you done it yet? if it 's that easy, why haven 't you done it yet said so frankie I, I liked the the you thirty minutes ago when you' were laughing and being silly. Is that that what you want right now? You want me to tell jokes? I mean, your life is like my life. It's intense. You want me to tell jokes? Make everybody, maybe I can tell a poem, make everybody cry and send you home. Is that what you want right now? You say, why am I so... Pointed. I cannot be a part of a church. I can't where the, the altar is foreign. We've all been to churches like that, right? We're not the only good church. I went, I went and visited a church uh, here in town last Friday, they were, or a couple Fridays ago. They were doing something special. I walked in, and it was a phenomenal service. Phenomenal. But I have been to churches before where I've thought to myself, that is not an altar because nobody goes down there to pray. That's a stage for the singers to stand on and the preacher to stand on. But it's not an altar because this church doesn't go to the altar and nothing in their life ever gets altered because that's a stage. We cannot ever allow Celebration Church to become a place where You are entertained. And this is not an altar. And if you haven't been to the altar recently, I really want to ask you to reconsider that. An altar is something made of wood, steel, or stone that things die on. And sometimes it's our pride that needs to die do you know the first sin to ever be committed on this planet was pride the first sin in the history of the universe was pride pride so I'm not trying to manipulate you it's not like I get a a bonus if more people come to the altar versus less people There's enough people down here for me to walk out and say that was a successful service. I'm doing this because I don't want you walking out of here the same way you walked in if you're being tormented by an evil spirit. So this, in the next few minutes, this is the last one. This is the last call. And then it's time to pay attention to the people that are hungry enough to get out of their seat. This is the last call. Get as close as you can. Everybody get as close as you can. And if you think for one minute that God can touch you in your seat, just like He can touch you here, you have convinced yourself that you are gonna receive blessings without a sacrifice, that He's gonna be that He's gonna draw near to you without you drawing near to Him. You've convinced yourself of that, and it's not scriptural. In James 4 eight it says, When you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Now, you can tell yourself this this personal false doctrine all you want to, but you might want to stop coming to celebration because I'm going to tell you right now, you're telling yourself a false doctrine. Again, my salary is probably going to stay the same until Jesus comes. I don't get... but I don't need one. So my point is I don't get, there's nothing in this for me. The church was full today. It's full, wall to wall. I don't need to do this. This is for you. I'm gonna look at that clock. 20 seconds. down here I'm looking at you now everybody down here I want you to put your hands up because you're going to receive what you came here for put your hands up I can already feel the brush of his spirit in James 4:15, it says and then I felt the spirit of the Lord grace past my face and the hair of my body stood up on end nod your head at me if you feel it too nod your head at me Nod your head at me. I'm seeing heads. You can already feel the presence of God touching you. Nod your head at me if you feel it too. Don't stand there. Nod your head at me. Acknowledge what he's doing. I want you to pray this prayer. Keep your eyes closed. Put your head up and imagine his face because he's the one that's going to bless you, not me. There's something greater in this room that we cannot see that's going to deliver you of every single thing that you have come here for and more. I want you to say these words, Jesus. Say it out loud, Jesus. Say it, Jesus. I want you to free me. And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I want to be free. Say, I want to be free. Give me your freedom right now.